1: moderator for tonight's broadcast. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Well, do you miss me yet? It's high noon for Monday, March 1st, 2021. Follow the podcast on Parlor and Gab at I'm Your Moderator. Or on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'mYourModerator. Join the discussion thread at t.me slash BeReasonableDiscussion. And if you want a t-shirt or a mug or something else that you might like or might not, go to www.cancelcotour.com. It's just like Cancel Culture, except there's an OU. Instead of a UL, because it's better to have an OO than an OL, oh, maybe. So check that out. Today is the 40th full day of Barack Obama's third term, as served by the half dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist, dummy, fake proxy president Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history, and the father of one of the most despicable sons to have ever been hatched on this planet. Hunter, where's your laptop, Hunter Biden? Also, where's Hunter? And also, last week, it came out that not only was Hunter Biden having sex, with his dead brother's wife, but he was also having sex with his dead brother's wife's sister at the same time. So congratulations America, we got the return to morality that we've all been seeking. Woo-hoo! Now, Trump was back in business yesterday at CPAC. Am I gonna talk about that yet? Nope, gonna talk about it later. Right now, I'm going to talk about some fun stuff. So here's fun stuff number one. This was reported all over, but I'm going to reference an NBC News article. Uh, the headline, NBA's G League investigating after Jeremy Lynn said he was called coronavirus on the court. These must be the greatest cops of all time. They're hiring investigators because someone said the word coronavirus out loud while playing basketball. The subheadline, Lynn, opened up about the racist act in a social media post where he said, Being an Asian American doesn't mean we don't experience poverty and racism. Well, yeah, that's true. That's also true for white people. Hmm, how's that possible? Well, It is possible. And just look at the media. It is very, very racist against white people. And white people experience poverty. I don't think anybody questions that. So congratulations, Jeremy, you've described yourself in a way that literally every other group of people can describe themselves. Now, calling the Chinese NBA guy, coronavirus, is obviously racist because he's getting called coronavirus because of China. Yet it remains a fact that the virus did come from China, and it is a China virus. But Jeremy Lin doesn't deserve to be pointed out as being Chinese while playing basketball. But it's interesting and I, I you know whatever he uh, if that hurt his feelings that's fine should people do it probably not but I wonder who in the G League would have called him coronavirus was it a white guy I don't know that's why we must have the investigation but the likelihood just based on the odds and I'm just talking strictly odds here is that the player who called him coronavirus was black and if that's true, then Jeremy Lynn is actually not allowed to complain about this. Now, I didn't make up the rules, but I do know what they are. And the rules say that you cannot be a victim of racism if you are higher on the intersectional scale. And it turns out that Asians are actually the highest earning population in America, higher than white people. And Jeremy Lin in particular is an elite athlete in the NBA, which makes him among the top 1% of basketball players in the world. And he's definitely in the top 1% of earners in America. So he's rich, he's from the ethnic group that earns the most, and he's highly skilled and has notoriety in his profession. In other contexts, that would be called privilege. And if we called it privilege, then Jeremy Lynn would not be allowed to complain about the words and actions of someone less privileged than him, because their words and actions are a product of oppression right? Again, I didn't make the rules, but them's the rules. The other interesting part of this is to think about Jeremy Lin's reaction. He was so hurt by this that he ran to Instagram to let the world know that he had been called coronavirus and something must be done. What must be done? I don't know. What will the punishment be? Who knows? But we need to have an investigation. We've got to get all the facts on this because I bet Jeremy Lin doesn't know who said it, right? I mean, he's literally right there with the guy guarding him. And you gotta assume that that's the guy who called him coronavirus. I mean, if it wasn't, It must have been one of the other four guys on the court, right? Or was it just somebody in the stadium? And if it was somebody in the stadium, how does Jeremy Lin even know that they were talking about him? Maybe someone realized that another person got within six feet of them, and they just screamed, ah, coronavirus. And Jeremy Lin took it personally. Hopefully that's not what happened. But if it was someone on the court, then Jeremy Lin must know who it is. So the investigation seems a little pointless just say who it is, Jeremy. But he went to Instagram to write a long thing and to let everybody know that it's totally possible that racism could attack everyone, even someone like him. And he said, being a nine-year NBA veteran doesn't protect me from being called coronavirus on the court. Well, yeah, I suppose that's true. But also, nothing protects you from that. And you don't need protection from that, except knowing that you're not the coronavirus and that it's okay to be Chinese. So really, we have a grown man asking Instagram for protection from being called things that he doesn't like. Now, I'm a big Michael Jordan fan. And... I think back to how Michael Jordan used to be, and I'm sure actually still is. And if someone said something racist to Michael Jordan on the basketball court, Michael Jordan would not have gone to social media to complain about it. You know, social media didn't exist then. So fine, you can say maybe he would have. But I think we all know that he wouldn't have. What Michael Jordan would have done is grabbed the ball, dropped a double nickel on Jeremy Lin's head and then laughed at him while walking off the court with a 25-point win. That's how Michael Jordan responds to things he doesn't like. I feel like that's probably more effective, and it kind of redeems you in your own eyes, and you also really show that person that like snide comments and even racist comments aren't going to get to you. Now, that's fine. If you want to say that there's no place for that in society, I'm fine with that. Good. Let's all be nice to each other. I can get behind that. But not everybody's going to do that because we still live in the real world. And in the real world, People are going to be mean to you because they're mean sometimes, or because they're trying to rattle you, to take a mental advantage over you. And the proper response to that is not to give that to them. So, I mean, maybe Jeremy Lin was really hurt, but crying on Instagram always seems like the last resort for a grown adult. And I was just about to start the next fun thing, but then I forgot that I didn't even address my introduction and the fact that I did not give you podcasts on Thursday and Friday. That was not my intention, but it was impossible. And I wasn't able to actually keep up with things enough on those two days to deliver what I would have thought would be a quality episode, and I don't want to put out bad episodes, even though I may have already. Who knows? That's really a matter of opinion, and it's not mine. So apologies for that, but I am back on it, and I'll be here Monday through Friday all over again, and hopefully in a few days, I will have my sound set up all back to normal, and everything will be beautiful. Now it's time for our Daily Lies from Anthony Fauci. Anthony Fauci warned over the weekend on Meet the Press that states shouldn't be relaxing their restrictions on coronavirus. North Carolina, South Carolina, and Virginia in particular. Massachusetts, Arkansas, and Wyoming also eased some restrictions as well. And Anthony Fauci thinks this is very, very scary. So sleepy Chuck Dodd asked him, We had a graphic showing about a dozen states, some like North Carolina, allowing more fans in the stands. We had more indoor bars being open and things like this. You and CDC and Dr. Walensky were like, not yet. Why not yet? Why is this week not the week yet to ease restrictions? Very tough question for sure. And Fauci says, it's really too premature right now to be pulling back too much. I'm concerned that we're still at that level of 70,000 infections per day. And when people start then pulling back on mitigation methods and mitigation activities, you have the risk. And it is a real risk of seeing it go back up. And it's not something I'm imagining. Go back and look at the surges that we've had over the past year. It was always at a time when you wanted to pull back. Well... Basically, all of that isn't true. But he goes on. We've been in this situation before. When you start to see a decline in number of cases, if you prematurely lift the restrictions, we have a few examples of the rebound back. Again, not true. Florida eased all of their restrictions on September 25th of last year. That's five months ago their numbers haven't gone up. There hasn't been some massive death spike. Numbers are going down everywhere, and they're going down dramatically. Much of that is due to the fact that we were, that we spent the first nearly year up until Joe Biden usurped the presidency running PCR tests at a cycle threshold that would yield in some cases, up to 94% false positives. Now that that's been lowered, we get less false positives, which means fewer cases. And cases don't matter. We've gone over that a million times on this podcast, but cases can't matter. Deaths matter. If deaths are going up only from coronavirus and not from other things, which they're not, And they really haven't much the entire time, since basically 6% of all these deaths recorded as COVID are actually COVID deaths. So if deaths aren't going up and aren't spiking in states that have eased their restrictions, then what Anthony Fauci is saying is strictly untrue. And the worst part is he knows it. And maybe the second worst part is the fact that he goes back and forth on what he says all the time. And I think it's time that we admit what's going on here. I wish that the mainstream media would do it. And at some point they'll be forced to, and that's fine because it will just make it more hilarious watching them fall apart when they have to. But Anthony Fauci is clearly lying here. There is no point at which he would say it's okay to ease restrictions. That would be exactly what he doesn't want to do. And that's obvious. We need to stop lying about this. Anthony Fauci is not a good actor in this scenario. He has been wrong literally all the time about every single thing since this started. He is not using the science or the data. He called Andrew Cuomo the gold standard in managing the COVID-19 situation. Yes, the same Andrew Cuomo, who's being investigated for literally killing thousands of grandparents in nursing homes. He did that. Now, to Andrew Cuomo, Melissa DeRosa was out making statements defending the administration's actions. She wrote an email to the staff telling them they had all done such a wonderful job. I wonder if she's writing herself that email since she's the one who kind of exposed the truth of everything he was doing on a leaked phone call. Now, you could have just read the news and used your brain last May and realize that Andrew Cuomo was doing something terrible. But no, that wasn't good enough at the time. Back then it was a conspiracy theory. Now it's true. So it took nine months for the thing that he actually was doing to become true. I don't know exactly how that works. Maybe it's time travel, but we can all now agree that Andrew Cuomo is in fact, one of the worst governors ever, a creep, And, you know, I I stop short of saying murderer, but when your plan is specifically to put sick people into nursing homes so that you can get your friends who run the nursing home companies paid more, maybe it's time to call you a murderer. And am I a conspiracy theorist for saying that this was about money? No, I'm not. In fact, New York Representative Ron Kim, the very Ron Kim that Andrew Cuomo threatened to destroy, tweeted out on Saturday, COVID nursing home residents were reimbursed twice as much, parentheses Medicare, as regular residents, Medicaid. Under Cuomo's March 25th mandate, nursing homes took 6,000 new COVID patients, That is about $114 million per month. And with Cuomo's corporate immunity, executives maximized their profits. Did I say this in the Revisionist History episode of this very podcast at the end of last May? Why, yes, I did. Is that amazing? No, it's not. You just read stuff and then figure out whether or not it's true. So I did that. And now we're talking about so $114 million a month. This is all coming from the federal government from taxpayers. And it's all getting funneled to the nursing homes who then fund Andrew Cuomo's political career. If that sounds okay to you, then you are either delusional or a communist. And you might be thinking, well, defending stuff like that is not what we good communists do. But yes, it is. Arguing for communism requires you to defend bad and immoral things, as well as incompetent government, because that's what communism breeds all the time, everywhere, necessarily. There is no good way to do it. Now, interestingly, Democrats in New York state are calling for investigations into Andrew Cuomo while Cuomo is trying to choose his own special investigator, which is, again, just blatant corruption. It's unbelievable. I guess he thinks the media will just cover him and that Democrats nationally will just cover him. Hopefully that's not true. But they're going after him for like mean statements and some of the sexual harassment stuff. They're not primarily going after him for the nursing home deaths, and there's a very good reason for that. Because four other Democrat governors also had the same nursing home policies. One of them is California Governor Gavin Newsom, who is facing a recall. Do you really think that they want to dig too deep on the nursing home problem? That would take out Gavin Whitmer, Tom Wolf and Phil Murphy, Pennsylvania and New Jersey, by the way, Whitmer's in Michigan. They would all be finished because this is the same policy and it had the same results. In fact, there's a journalist in Michigan who's pursuing a case against Gretchen Whitmer, and it's going to stick. They all are going to stick because they are all factual. The only way they don't stick is if Biden's corrupt DOJ, led by Merrick Garland, who is apparently one of the most stupid and corrupt individuals imaginable, he literally couldn't answer questions in his confirmation hearing. He said, uh, more times than Jen Psaki. How's that even possible? She says, uh, every other word. Merrick Garland says, uh, like three out of every four words. So it's even more. Psaki's batting 500, Garland's batting seven fifty. Amazing. But it seems like the the Democrats, the people in power in the Democratic Party, have decided that their best bet to minimize damage on this situation is to have Cuomo pursued over the sexual harassment claims and his bullying of Ron Kim and others. Rather than the nursing homes. And that is a fairly sick betrayal of citizens in New York and around the country. Now, many of Andrew Cuomo's actions are egregious, but it's hard to top the nursing home thing. I know we've all been me-tooed into believing that the worst thing that could ever happen is a man in a powerful situation trying to pursue sexually someone in a subordinate position, and I agree that that really is bad, but it's not the worst thing. Putting sick people in a nursing home next to old vulnerable people, resulting in literally thousands of unnecessary deaths, is definitely worse. Sorry, ladies. (laughs) I want to just briefly mention one thought on the vaccines and the narrative surrounding the vaccines right now. I know I'm going to talk about this more eventually and probably a lot, but it strikes me as very odd that they're touting the effectiveness of this vaccine when they are giving it to people who were already 99.8% likely to recover from the coronavirus or mostly to not get it. I mean, the T cell immunity, we don't know the level yet, but people imagine that it might be as high as 80%. So giving people who probably can't get coronavirus and likely won't get severe symptoms from coronavirus and almost definitely won't die from it, giving them a vaccine and having that vaccine make sure That they don't get coronavirus, don't get extreme symptoms, and don't die from it, isn't an accomplishment. They were already doing that. Moving on. No segues today. Apologies. CBS News, Saturday. Minneapolis to hire influencers to spread messaging during trial over George Floyd's death. That is dystopian as fuck. Now, it's quite clear from George Floyd's autopsy that he died from a fentanyl overdose. It doesn't mean that what happened wasn't sad. It doesn't mean that Derek Chauvin did the right thing. Hard to say. I guess we'll see in the trial. We're going to see a lot of things in that trial, as a matter of fact, because it's going to be broadcast, at least on the internet. Most Americans will see for the first time what actually happened in that situation. Most Americans watched the little clips and then virtue signaled and burned down cities. They were like, oh my God, this guy's dead. Now we need to burn down everything. Fucking insane communists. But the article, the Minneapolis City Council has unanimously approved paying six social media influencers to spread city approved messaging and updates throughout the upcoming murder trial of former officer Derek Chauvin, who has been charged in George Floyd's death. On Friday, the council approved one point one eight one million dollars for communication with the community during the trial. One point eight one million dollars to communicate. City approved messages to the public. Social media influencers, who are they going to be? Can't wait to find out who's getting paid off for this. The city says social media partners will help dispel potential misinformation. Oh, potential misinformation. You know what is a great way to avoid potential misinformation? Simply tell people to watch the trial, and then they can watch exactly what happens then we don't need to worry about potential misinformation because we already know what potential misinformation means under this definition. The potential misinformation is going to come from the city, from the government, from the Democrats, from the people paying to have influencers spread the disinformation. The influencers will, will intentionally target Black, Native Americans, Somali, Hmong, and Latinx communities with their message. Really? Good call, Minnesota. This is almost as smart as their defund the police. Oh no, now all the police are gone. Oh no, now crime has gone way up. I guess we'd better hire police from out of state. These might be the stupidest communists in the country. The goal is to, quote, increase access to information to communities that do not typically follow mainstream news sources or city communications channels and or who do not consume information in English. It is also an opportunity to create more two way communication between the city and communities. Now, again, that is just incredibly dishonest and incredibly racist. The, these communities do not typically follow mainstream news sources. Oh, really? If that's the case, then they probably don't know much about George Floyd, huh? And so the idea here is that people who don't watch the news and haven't really pursued the details of this story are going to be told directly by the city what they should think about it. And the ads are targeted to minority, quote-unquote, communities, one of them being Latinx, Latinx, as I prefer calling it. Could this be any more patronizing for minority communities? It is ridiculous how racist the left is and how, how rarely it's called out. One communist activist is actually worried about this because he thinks that the city's messaging is going to be anti-protest. Uh, why aren't you worried more about the protests, communist? The protests are the problem. The idea that people following this court case should just be expected to riot Or allowed to riot is crazy. It's also very strange that the expectation is that they will. It kind of tells you a bit about how the court case is going to go, don't you think? Now, a lot of the community might be aware of how the court case is going to go if they had actually followed the case instead of just listened to Don Lemon. Derek Chauvin may be many things, but he didn't murder George Floyd. Now, Minnesota prosecutors are trying to get the murder charge back on there, probably to put pressure on juries. There's going to be a lot of pressure on juries. But a man can't die of a fentanyl overdose and also be murdered. And unless somehow Derek Chauvin slipped the fentanyl into George Floyd's face, it ain't Derek Chauvin's fault the guy's dead. Sorry to say it. Wasn't a pretty situation. Wasn't nice to watch. I feel bad that someone died, but George Floyd is a criminal, and he died of a drug overdose. Unfortunately, actual justice in this situation is not going to appease the social justice communist activists, and then they will have license once again to try to destroy the country, and that is terrible. All right, so now let's talk about Trump's speech at CPAC. Obviously, he was greeted by, I guess, thousands of fans, followers, voters, supporters, whatever you'd like to call them, out on the street as his motorcade passed by. And he did have a very large presidential motorcade. He looked very presidential. It's almost like he's still president. And he got some fairly good reviews. One surprisingly, was from Nikki Haley, trying to get herself back into some form of relevance. She said, strong speech by President Trump about the winning policies of his administration and what the party needs to unite behind it moving forward. The liberal media wants a GOP civil war not going to happen. Yeah, Nikki, it's not going to happen because you already lost it. You tried to fire the first shot a week ago and no one gave a shit, they laughed at you because you are a joke. Nikki Haley is just a Romney, and now she's trying to pretend she's a patriot, but everybody already knows she's a Romney. There's no coming back from that. Last week, she said that Trump had lost his political viability completely. That's clearly not true. Nikki Haley was not even invited to CPAC. Neither were any of the other Romneys. No one really cares what they do, what they say, or what they think. They have no support. Their support exists only within the small fraction of Republicans that are still totally aligned with the establishment, with China, with corporations, and they are truly irrelevant. The rest of the never-Trumpers are basically just Democrats and communists, and they're already out of the party. No one cares what any of these people think. People do care what Trump thinks because Trump is the only voice in the party with that kind of power. And Nikki Haley doesn't even rate Ron Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis is in there. Josh Hawley's in there. Jim Jordan's in there. Nikki Haley is not anywhere. There is zero chance Nikki Haley is going to be the nominee of the Republican Party in 2024 or any other time. Her day has come and gone. She failed. She's over. And so is that part of the movement. No one trusts them with good reason. So Trump came on and at one point he actually uh, called the Republican Party under him, under his leadership, the party of love. And the entire crowd was cheering. It's awesome. And we all agree. I think everyone who has followed this movement and stuck with it agrees this is the party of love. We want good things for our friends and our neighbors in our country. That's patriotic. It doesn't matter about gender or race or belief or sexuality. We don't care. We cheer for the party of love. That's nice. Democrats cheer when Kamala Harris calls white men racist. That's not nice. That's pathetic. That's communist. Now, I know some people thought the speech was kind of a little, uh, you know, too down the middle, like just a teleprompter speech that didn't get everybody all riled up. I actually loved the speech. I thought it was great. Uh, I thought he was funny. Um, I thought he was forceful. I thought he did a great job prosecuting the case against Joe Biden. Um, and it's, it started right from the the vaccine claims that Biden has made about how there weren't any vaccines. Literally every bit of vaccine success so far, it, Trump is responsible for. And I have my questions about the vaccine, uh, obviously, and I don't want to take it. I don't want anyone I love to take it. But one thing that I've been thinking about, and it seemed like Trump could have been hinting around about this was that this vaccine was developed so quickly, and Trump knew that it would come out before the end of the year, pretty much from the beginning of that pandemic period that you think, or at least I thought immediately, well, they've already had this vaccine for sure, you know. Um, and it's now becoming clearer and clearer that they have had that vaccine prior to the pandemic going public at least. And that wouldn't be surprising. I mean, they've been studying coronaviruses for a very long time. The miracle that Trump refers to when he's talking about the vaccine seems to me to be the fact that he overrided, overrode, chose to override. Let's go with that. The, uh, the force of big pharma. And if he was able to beat down big pharma and get a result for the American people, that's the that's the miracle. And he said clearly yesterday, they wouldn't even have started manufacturing the vaccine till now if I hadn't been there. And he's right. I mean, we're talking years. That was their plan. Keep this going for years until they have a vaccine. Keep people scared. Keep people restricted. This stuff is ridiculous. He also went hard after the never-Trump Republicans, particularly the ones like Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger and Mitt Romney, you know, the really terrible ones who actually voted for that fake impeachment. And remember, that was a fake impeachment. John Roberts, the chief justice of the Supreme Court, was not there to preside over it, which the Constitution requires. Him not being there makes it a fake impeachment. The fact that all the voter fraud happened makes everything that has happened in a legal sense after that null and void. And I still believe that we're going to have it overturned. And if that's not the case, then I definitely think that Trump is going to go ahead and run for the House in Florida, win his race, get into the House, become Speaker of the House, then immediately impeach Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Because they are there through election fraud that they participated in with the help of the biggest corporations in the world, the biggest corporations of all time, and our foreign adversaries. That is is an attack against the United States. Joe Biden is not a legitimate president. He will never be a legitimate president. The proof of election fraud is overwhelming and everyone will eventually know it. And so if that's the long-term plan that Trump gets in there and becomes speaker of the house and then becomes president again, I guess fine. I think that maybe we can make it through November of next year, especially if it goes along at this pace where everyone basically just ignores everything Joe Biden says. His nominees go in and embarrass themselves profusely. Uh the Dr. Rachel Levine from Pennsylvania thing last week was embarrassing. She herself being a trans woman said that she believes that minors, kids, should be allowed without their parents' permission to start themselves on hormone blockers and gender reassignment surgery. Does anyone in the world believe that an 11-year-old is capable of having that conversation and making a good decision for their lives? This is terrible. You want a basket of deplorables? Fill the entire basket up with Merrick Garland and Rachel Levine and Jen Psaki and Andrew Cuomo and Gavin Newsom. These people are genuinely deplorable. That is a horrifying attack against the future of our country. Not as if they care. They've kept these kids out of school for so long. He also went hard after the fact that Joe Biden failed to disclose to the American people during the campaign really, any of these priorities. He didn't talk about them in the debates. We all know he didn't bother campaigning. He just stayed in his basement, and now he's just giving a rubber stamp to everything demanded of him by the corporations and the countries that put him in office, primarily the social media companies and Amazon and China. He is trying to enact this leftist communist agenda, destroying people's own identity. It's complete and total demoralization of a society. It's disgusting. It's beneath us. The idea that anybody voted for this man is beyond me. But the idea that anyone can still support him now, seeing what has happened, is even crazier. And there are actually some good accounts Online, like Biden voters posting their L's, I think is one of them, and they are just complaining like crazy. Even that, even the uh, the white Black Lives Matter leader, Sean King, um, he's complaining that Trump did a better job getting money out to people than Joe Biden did. And of course, because Joe Biden doesn't have any control over anything, it seems the speech, of course, was. Pro MAGA, it was pro America, it was pro woman, it was pro worker. He spent a large section of the speech talking about what Trumpism is and saying, This isn't even a term I invented, but now this is what it's being called. So let me tell you what my ideas actually are. And he did a great job of laying out an agenda. The truth is that yesterday was the State of the Union speech. Joe Biden has still not given one, nor has he scheduled one. There was one originally scheduled for February 23rd, which has been canceled. And the reason we're being given for that, we know, is bullshit. The acting U.S. Capitol Police Chief Yogananda Pittman told Congress last week that We know that members of the militia groups that were present on January 6th have stated their desires that they want to blow up the Capitol and kill as many members as possible with a direct nexus to the State of the Union, which we know that date has not been identified. Now, that's not really a sentence, but that's completely false. If they have that intelligence, put it out to the public. Tell us what the intelligence is. There's no intelligence for that. Unless the militia group she's referring to is Antifa, because that's who was there causing the problems on January 6th. So if she wants to say that, fine. I'm sure that they would love to have a false flag attack like that. But that's not happening from the Trump side. There's no one on the Trump side that wants to blow up the Capitol. If there are, They're not really on the Trump side. They're just a right-wing extremist. I'm not denying the existence of those. I'm saying that they're not any part of the movement, and they're certainly not doing that to benefit Donald Trump. But this excuse for not doing the State of the Union is just a bald-faced lie. It's not real. It also can't be real. There's no one in the Trump movement that cares about killing Joe Biden or even those Congress members. It's not about killing. It's about justice. It's about the truth coming out and those people being dealt with the proper way, by the law, watching them be convicted in a court of law or in a military tribunal and punished appropriately for the crimes they actually committed against the country. No one is interested in taking justice into our own hands. Justice should be served by the proper authorities. And that is what we want. The media will never report that, of course. But that's not the barometer on whether or not it's true. It is just true. We want justice. We want it as fast as possible. But we want it the right way. And regardless of any of that, They have all of Washington, D.C. fenced in with barbed wire and National Guard troops, thousands of them. They're guarding the Capitol. Are we to imagine that some lone MAGA supporter or even a group of Trump supporters is going to breach that perimeter and then take in a bomb while Joe Biden does a State of the Union? No, of course not. No one's even dumb enough to try that. This is madness. This is 100% made up. First, to smear Trump supporters, and second, to get Biden off from having to do a State of the Union. But then again, Biden's not really president, is he? An illegitimate president shouldn't be giving a State of the Union, which is why we had Trump do it last night. Thank goodness. Oh, and before I go, thinking about that big fence around the Capitol, they have the same thing now for the George Floyd decision. They have concertina wire and fencing around the building. Are we going to try to pretend that that's for the Proud Boys? What planet does anyone on the communist left live on? It's not Earth. They are completely detached from reality, which is how they got like that in the first place. I'll be back tomorrow with the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Maston and lockdowns do not work. And Joe Biden will never be president. Go ahead. Or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon back out on the rain. in is moderator for tonight's broadcast.
0: you, <laughs>